Thelma and Tom look left, number 31. How are you, Thelma? Lovely day down here in Devon. Yeah, yeah, it's good up in the Cone Valley too. Yeah, I'm really well, Tom. We, we got a few days break over uh, the Easter holidays, um, so I feel quite refreshed, really, and come back to, wow, uh, quite a... Uh, yeah. we, we, you know, we, we, we talked about doing this little podcast with one or two ideas and then between that talk and now so much has happened and uh, woke up some really some some of the best news I've had in ages today. I couldn't I couldn't believe it when I uh, and it was really early, too. I think I, I checked my phone about 20 past seven and there it was. Philip, bless his heart or whatever you want to say won his thing against Tracy Ann Oberman. What a wonderful piece of news that is. Uh, well, I, ca I can't begin to tell you, Tom, because obviously I've known this has been going on for um, a long time. Um, and I do know that Philip has been under a lot of stress really because of it to be accused of something like that when you are a, you know as has happened to Jeremy you know lifelong anti-racist and um and he is um a specialist in in the Middle East um you know is, is a professor <laughs> anthropologist um he he really is an expert in the field um, and, and does speak out in support of Palestinian rights. Um, but this accusation of anti-Semitism and, and this idea that he had a, a Jew block on, on, on Twitter was outrageous, really. And um, I, I have so much admiration for him because, I mean, he's got a great sense of humour as Philip and he's, you know, he, he really is on the ball with things, um, but it hurt. and. As I say, this has been going on in the background for some time now. Um, and the fact he has won this case, um, I think, um, it, it, well, you can see from the re reaction uh, today from a lot of people to say that, you know, justice is seen to be done because you, you just can't just hurl out accusations and slurs like that. And he's been brave enough, though, to challenge it. And I know it's not been easy for him, um, but he, he has won through. Um, and I think it, I think it has um, made a lot of people feel uh, some satisfaction, really, uh, that justice has been seen to be done. And, um, yeah, I'm really proud of him, actually. Yeah, um, yeah it's a great, great job. I think he's been, I think he's been really, really, really brave. And, um, and the, you know, substantial... Uh, damages um, have been granted um, or, or awarded. So, um, I mean, that, that's good in itself. But the the thing that has pleased and surprised me um, is the coverage uh, on mainstream media that it's got today, which, quite frankly, I didn't expect coverage, fair and balanced coverage um, in The Guardian and, and uh, on BBC. Um, so that uh, in itself, the messaging that's coming through there um, is, is, is strong. Um, so that, that, that's been a good, a good, it's been a good day, Tom. Uh, yeah, I, I was really surprised by that BBC article. I mean, they didn't even make any attempt to water it down or anything. It genuinely was. It genuinely felt mm. like when you were reading it, they were on the ball and telling the truth, which re regards yeah. to this subject of all these anti-Semitism slurs and so on. I mean, they 
they were the worst, well, not quite as bad as The Guardian, but they were pretty awful at, um, at the, um, you know, with the propaganda. And, that, uh, and, yeah. and this is the second thing that's happened with the BBC. They did, a couple of weeks ago, they, um, they came out with a statement, uh, in well, not in favour of Jeremy Corbyn, t telling the truth about Jeremy Corbyn, not, not being an anti-Semite. Uh, and really, yeah. they, they never tried at all during all those awful years that we went through. They just played mm -hmm. the game for the establishment. I, d I don't know what's yeah. happened there, really. Uh, something seems to have changed, doesn't it? Yeah, it's almost like a switch has gone on. I don't, I, I don't know, but I can, I can feel a change in the mood and the approach. Um, um, but you know, obviously that that is positive, and because all of us as anti-racists, we want to work for a world that, that where racism doesn't exist and anti-Semitism doesn't exist and Islamophobia doesn't exist. Um, and I think that 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 you know, people who make these slurs that are based on nothing um, do not help that cause. And, and that is the point. Um, they do more damage and divide communities and divide people. And, and it is a very, I think it's a really evil thing to do. Um, I think it's a really evil thing to do to set people against each other uh, based on a falsehood. And, and so I, you know, I, I think it's a good day. It's a good yeah, day. absolutely, totally agree, and and the, and not only you know when you say we we something's changed, there's been some kind of slight change somewhere, and when you read those articles, the publicity that's well in favour of the left, really, it's actually stating the facts that the left <laughs> has been stating since the start that things are not yeah. all that all that good, you know, Palestine. And, and that is the Israeli thing that's going on there is, is not straightforward and it's not, you know, it's very clear uh, and it's been used against us and called anti-Semitism because we have been standing up for the injustice of the, for the people that have had the injustice done to them. And, and, and now we get all that publicity on the BBC and in The Guardian stating, well, Philip was basically allowed to say, he put his case, which we haven't been allowed yes. to do really for years. So it really is um, a, a real change. It is, it is. And, you know, you'll know, I had my own experiences of how something can be twisted um, against you on the uh, on Twitter um, last week with just a simple, you know, many of my tweets, unless it's a campaign tweet and it's specifically political or responding to something, many of mine are tongue-in-cheek in terms of poking the centrists or the Tories. And this was a throwaway one about how, basically saying about how light entertainment programmes like Strictly Come Dancing can be used to promote uh, uh, politicians um, and I think that, you know, you see it with Have I Got News For You and, uh, you know, you saw Boris Johnson um, hosting that and Jess Phillips and people like that. And to my mind, I've been watching it with interest, some of these um, celebrity politicians, as I call it, and how they're promoted by these programmes. But it was the throwaway tweet was just twisted to look at this woman, you know, and I realised what it's like when they do it. Because it was going on several levels about how I'd said it was Blairites when it wasn't Blairites that had taken part, and I didn't know the difference between a Brownite and a Blairite, and it oh they were unpicking it, you know it was unbelievable. I have never had anything go 
like that, that, you know, that it was like the top, you know, some of the top journalists. And I thought, what is this about? You know, what what really is this about? Um, and I think, I believe I touched a nerve that yeah. actually what I was saying is that a lot of our mainstream media and light entertainment programmes are promoting certain people and certain politics. And people are entitled to disagree with me, but some of it was, well, I don't, I'm sure you saw it. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were, Tom. Well, I, I, know, I know straight away that the, what they don't like is that there's, there's truth in what you said. Uh, if there wasn't, they wouldn't care. But it, 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 it's not a, a black and white situation. So they can't prove it, you can't prove it, but everybody knows. You know, why did, why did you know, that guy go on strictly? Well, you know, he wanted to show everybody that he's actually a really nice guy and da 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 da. And one day, lo and behold, there he'll be back again, you know. But we can't prove it. He can't prove otherwise. We, no, no one really knows. But there's some truth in there. And they don't. Yeah, want they wanted either. to shut it down, didn't they? That was, it was, it was shut it down. This is a stupid thing to say. That could never happen. Um, and it was, but when you're at the end of it, Tom, it's kind of, Oh, whoa. I wouldn't want to be there, Thelma. And I no, feel for you. I think also there's an element, Thelma, that you are you are someone that they would like to shut up. And uh, and th th that's in there too. So when you say something that they think, oh, well, let's have a go, this is our chance. And, and they can have a little pop at you. And... Uh, and so, and, and when you look at people, you know, there are people that they dislike, like Jeremy and, uh, you know, the union leader Howard guy, and they don't, you know, there are a lot of people that as soon as they open their mouth, it's like, bam, we've got to shut this person up. They talk too near, they say too near, things that are too near the truth. Yeah. We can't have that. The thing is with me, though, Tom, I do always try and be fair if I can. You know, I mean, I do like to wind them up. I mean, obviously, there are times when I do, I do do those tongue-in-cheek ones, usually followed by an ellipsis, you know, the dot, 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 just to show I'm joking or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but what was interesting, after the pylon, there came a response from a former Home Secretary <laughs> <laughs> who had been on the show yeah. to say, yep, working. And I thought, after all that pylon, the very person or one of them that I had actually been uh, alluding to actually agreed with me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, thought yeah. that, I thought that was quite interesting, really. Um, so, yeah, I think it touched a nerve. But um, uh, I must admit, when I think about it, it's rarely happened to me. Well, I'd, I've never had such high profile people have a pop in the way that they did. Um, and so quickly, it, it did seem quite organised at one point, to be honest with you, Tom, because it was a, it was high profile people all one after another very quickly. Um, it did seem that I might be wrong, but it did seem like that. But um, I, it's only it's not happened to me before. But, you know, some people that get it a lot and, and it gets really awful. Um, it's 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 a platform that I enjoy um, being a part of and have some great people that I you know exchange ideas and thoughts with um, I get a, a lot of a pleasure out of it on the whole but when it's toxic when it's you know certain people and you're at the end of it it is pretty horrible and I would imagine 
uh, I'm, I'm fairly tough cookie and quite experienced, but for somebody who's feeling quite vulnerable, I do think it, it, it could do some damage actually. And I think, I think everybody needs to be wary about what you say and how you say it. And that's why I do try and be fair. I mean, now and again, I get a bit frustrated and I know maybe, maybe I could, I could have been perhaps a bit more diplomatic, but uh, I am human at the end of the day, Tom. Yeah. I mean, I, I do pull back. I quite often I'll write a tweet and then I'll think I'm not putting that up that I could see where that could go. And I just, because I haven't got the guts to, to deal with it really. And also I don't think I've got the confidence of my, Oh, you know, I kind of think maybe I don't totally know this for absolutely certain. So I better just not put it out there in case in case someone who really knows what they're talking about has a go. And I, and I am quite scared because I'm not a tough cookie, Thelma. You know that I'm a I'm the opposite of a tough cookie, really. And um, so you do stand up for your principles, and you're a very supportive comrade as well on that platform you know if if you agree with something you make very supportive comments and I think that's really appreciated by others on the left uh, and your comments are always thoughtful and uh, and um you're not uh, aggressive or abusive or you know because I have no time for that whether it's somebody on the left or the right there's there's no need for that um, oh, I, I mean you can make I make more, I'm more satire and sarky comments, really. I mean, I mean, that's the thing that interests me with some centrists. When I'm when I'm having a bit of a, a stab or you know, a bit of a joke, they don't always get it, you know. <laughs> they don't, they don't the, the lack of sense of humor, I know, because people on the left generally have, have a really sharp sense of humor. Um, and the exchanges and interactions we have, I make me some of them when I watch them as well make me howl you know uh, I think they're really funny but centrist there's just like a sense of humor bypass with a lot of them that um I think is very stark on Twitter see I would um, never say that Thelma I wouldn't dare say that that you you know centrists have got a sense of humor bypass I mean you're asking to be taken down so <laughs> <laughs> but anyway oh, all right. there Sorry, you go there are some, there are some yeah okay there are some comedy programs that make me chuckle that where it involves centuries so i speak yeah i mean i'm not i'm i'm generalizing really but on twitter that satire i think the left have it you know i think yeah. i think the, I, I really do think the left have, have, have got it. I, I'm interested um, in twitter because uh, and i'm worried about twitter as well because really it is a community for the left. It is a place where the left can speak freely and we can have, and we've got quite a bit of power. You know, when people come on from the right and the center and they make silly comments and the left just goes bosh and you get like 500 comments just saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. With evidence and with past history and, and it's very good for the left and i i don't know what the left would do if we didn't have that because we haven't got it in the paper newspapers we haven't got it on the telly we haven't got it on the radio we've only really got it on twitter that i can see i don't mm. know if i'm right no no you're right and this is the worry about the takeover bid isn't it that you worry whether the, that freedom will continue 
it's too early in the day for me to, to think this through really about what's happening with this proposed takeover but it, it does worry me you're right it is a platform for for the left um i mean there are the other left uh, platforms like squawk box uh the Canary um, and Navarra Media, you know, we've mentioned them before. Um, the, uh, so, and they are growing in number, I think. I think more people are. But, um, but that instantaneous um, ability to be able to respond to what is, and it's also fast, isn't it? I mean, uh, that's the thing. Uh, you wake up in the morning and or every day there is something um, that, that you can comment on which, um, you know, I would be really loath to pull away from. But obviously we need to see what emerges with this takeover, whether that uh, freedom for the left to be able to um, comment um, uh, will continue. I don't know. We'll, we'll, well have to. You know, Elon Musk, he's big on freedom of speech. And... Uh, that that has that can cut both ways, can't it? You know, it's good for the left to have freedom of speech, but it also means that people like Trump and Katie Hopkins and all these really nasty characters can come back in and start building their audience up mm. again. And and that I find awful. I mean, it's such a relief not to have that, that kind of stuff on there. So so we, we just have to see how, how it's going to go. I don't know where, where the left could migrate to, but, you know. No. Well, you, you know, things can be created, can't they? I mean, we have to, it's a, bit, it's a bit like with socialism, we've got to build the alternative. You know, Labour isn't opposition anymore. So we as socialists have to build that alternative and it takes time. But, it, you know, everything has to start somewhere. Um, I mean, I'm, as I say, I enjoy participating in Twitter uh, and exchanges on Twitter, um, usually, and I would be loath to leave it. But um, I, let's see what happens. It's early days yeah. yet, isn't it? Yeah. And let's see. Uh, uh, but the left will have disciplined. If we're going to get these toxic characters returning to the platform, then I think if the left were disciplined and... You, you, you know, there's bias by emission, we just don't have to respond to these toxic people. If the left are disciplined, we can marginalise them, these yeah. toxic people. Yeah. I think, I think to a degree that's what happens on Twitter, that when these kind of, uh, you know, there are some centrists and, and uh, Tories who just insist on putting up daft stuff and the left kind of piles in and just says this is ridiculous you know people like Wes Streeting and these kind of guys they'd be well advised to leave Twitter alone really because they gain nothing from it as far as I can see but it's nice to have them doing that in a way because it gives a good feeling of solidarity to the left I think I I take a lot of heart from that kind of stuff and yeah. you know if we all suddenly went over onto our own little scene where we didn't see these people doing this daft stuff it wouldn't be quite as effective i don't think but anyway it's all down the road isn't it thelma we don't know what's going to happen and um we can watch with interest anyway can't we and see indeed, see what indeed. happens of course so the other really there are two other big stories we were going to talk about today one one i just it beggars belief really about angela rayner's legs now i i mean you know astonishing story really and I, I you know yeah. I'm not a great Angela Rayner fan but I completely you know I sympathize totally with her what a thing to happen to you you know and yeah. and I mean 
I'm sure people, a lot of people are going to be saying she's milking it, blah, 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 blah. But it's disgusting and disgraceful what happened. Uh, I'll, I'll let you talk about it, Thelma, and see what you think. Yeah, well, I used to know Angela uh, pretty well, actually. And um, she's a very strong character. Um, and I did tweet about a memory of, of when the Tories had those, you know, kind of posh boys on that <laughs> front bench had been taunting her in the chamber. Um, mocking her accent um, and I'm from Stockport as well as you know as Angela so obviously it's touched a nerve with me too um, and um, she she just stood up and just went for them and just said are you, are you making fun of my accent are you and kind of you know and, and they went oh you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of these posh boys have had a nanny and a, you know they don't know how to treat women they don't they just do not um they, they really don't understand. I, I think I said before in a previous podcast that I often found that they didn't really get our humour um, on the Labour benches either. You know, they wanted to engage with us, but it was almost like they couldn't un get it. You know, they couldn't quite understand it. And um, But I think in terms of this misogyny and sexism, it, it's something for decades ago, isn't it? I mean, surely we've moved on from, from that kind of vacuous awful demeaning language and comments um but then of course the other side of me thinks well we've had i think i could be wrong but starmer's written for the mail hasn't he haven't a few of the front benches had things in the daily mail and you know part of me thinks you play with fire you 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 know you you've you've written in this in those awful toxic newspapers and look this is the kind of thing that that comes out of it um but uh yeah to publish it um and um I, I, you know i can imagine uh, you know the the kind of tory that would say that kind of thing uh, but it it doesn't matter who it is it's totally unacceptable and says something about you know i've said many times before about westminster not being fit for purpose but the whole charade, I mean, and look how much we've been distracted by this. Uh, never mind Johnson being distracted by <laughs> Angela Rayner's legs. We're being distracted in the general sense from what's important. And we're, we're ending up talking uh, about a signif significant in that it's unacceptable sexism. Um, but, but also, you know, we're not talking about people living in poverty or people being homeless or people you know and all of the other issues that need to be discussed at the moment we're we're again being talking about whether there was cake at a party or who was there or what we, you know and, and and not the specifics about did somebody break the law and if so what are the consequences going to be so we're talking about Angela Rayner's legs now you know so it's it's that kind of thing that I, I get really frustrated well, that, now you're making me wonder whether that's why they did it that you know maybe the mail on sunday were used as a uh, you know can you put out something utterly outrageous to get them off our case um yeah but um yeah you know, that yeah. I know. I guess that's how it works. But it, it, you know, you were saying about how the um, House of Parliament is not fit for purpose and blah blah blah. When when you look at the Tory MPs, I, I don't bother anymore. But in in Prime Minister's questions and all that, and you you see them just doing all that noise and all that stuff that they do, like uh, like animals almost. And you just think these are the people yeah. that are running this country. Yeah. 
why um, on earth is anybody voting for these? Yeah, I, I, I had about five or six, maybe five uh, questions in premises questions in the time I was there, which is quite a lot. Some don't, I, I, it's a draw. So it, it was just luck that, I, you know, that happened. And there was one in particular that hit a nerve and um, I, the, there was a roar from the, I, I mean, I think they'd been whipped to do it, but um, the, there was a roar and it's like a sea of sound that comes at you because the, the chamber's quite small, you know, really. It's not, it, it looks bigger on camera than it actually is. And when they all, it, it, as a voice, you know, are, are roaring at you and you, you have to keep on talking and battle through, it's, it's very challenging. Um, and it's bullying, really. And that's what I mean. That's one of the things I mean about in a democracy, is this the best we can do? You know, is this the best we can do that um, a, a member of parliament who has a question to give to the prime minister, that, that, that there's, there's this baying at you when you're trying to speak? And that, that to me is just, is well, it's an anachronism and it shouldn't be happening in this day and age, I don't think. Yeah, well, it says a lot about our country, I think, because I, I don't think it's like that. And not that I've studied the parliaments of other countries, but certainly in the EU, when they, they're quite yeah. often showing shots of uh, discussions. And, uh, and yeah. I remember that one time when the UKIP or whatever they were all turned their backs on the person that was speaking. You just, it was so embarrassing. You could only think, well, that could only be some right wing British nutcases. What is it about our ruling classes that th you think you can behave like that and still command the respect of the world? I yeah. mean, I think people have just had enough of it. And I, and I do think, I do slightly feel like the tide is turning now and, and people are just going, no, we, we've been had, you know, for too long. Yeah. This British exceptionalism, isn't it? And I think, I think it's for another podcast talking about the, um, you know, it's clinging onto the empire and the death of the empire and the death throes of capitalism. I think that's for a whole separate podcast. But I think we are seeing a sea change, aren't we, in the way the world views us. And, and Johnson's trying to build that, isn't he, with this Churchillian thing of, of going out to a war zone and um, the, the flag waving and all the rest of it. And the kind of militaristic jargon and, and language and the way he is, um, it's trying to recreate something from a bygone era. And I think those that are speaking of peace negotiations and trying to get people around the table and trying to, you know, um, are, well, hopefully, hopefully we, we can start to talk about peace because at the end of the day, this war may continue. I mean, God forbid, but this war may continue for years. But at the end of the day, all wars have to end sometime. And, you know, the, the tragedy is that so many lives are lost in that interim period, rather than getting around the table at the beginning and trying to broker peace. Um, so let's just let's just hope that people like Johnson are not going to win through um, and these these MPs that are talking about getting boots on the ground in Ukraine, that they can't even I can't even begin to think. Do they not understand what that means and the consequences of that? It's it's a very, it's a very difficult one because obviously what Putin has done and is doing is outrageous and wrong. But but you you need to try and bring people together. Um, 
because uh, we can see we can see the consequences of not doing that already. Yeah, horrendous, horrendous. What a situation. Um, I mean, mm. it's difficult to. I think with the with the the way that we get our information and you know you're reading stuff and you don't know what's true and what's not and uh, uh, and and also the other thing I find myself doing is reading the stuff that I want to hope is what's happening and not reading the stuff that I would rather hope isn't and I, I get in such a muddle about it and I don't know whether I'm coming or going with with you know, I can't look at it objectively Thelma. But I do know that you're right. What shouldn't be happening is that innocent people shouldn't be losing their lives and having their lives ruined, their houses and their homes just destroyed. Mm. And, you know, it shouldn't be happening. And uh, you know, to talk about escalating it or keeping it going, you know, you see stuff. Down yeah, there. but send it, what I keep hearing about is more and more arms being sent out there. And yet, not a lot of discussion about um, medical aid or, or food or, you know, um, humanitarian aid. And I, I just think all that money that's going on weaponry, but it's just that the money is there, but the money is always there for the bombs and the bullets and yeah. doesn't be there to help starving children in, say, Yemen. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and it's, it, that, that's the thing that breaks my heart and what I can never reconcile with war. I mean, I'm not a pacifist, actually. There are just wars and, and, and humanitarian reasons for uh, military intervention at times, as we can see through history. But always, always working for peace wherever possible and getting around a table and talking things through, uh, you know, in a, in a micro scale and macro scale you know i think it's so important so important so let's hope um there are some proposed um peace talks just at the moment so let's just hope let's just hope we can win through with that so no more lives are lost i think yeah totally with you on that film every morning i wake up and i check my phone just to see if there's something has happened in that direction and that you know for weeks now it hasn't and so yeah let's mm. hope so so the, the last thing we were going to talk about, and this is this is uh, we, we've we've had a go at the Tories, so now we're going to have a little bit of a go at the Labour Party. Um, <laughs> Rachel Reeves, I mean, I I've never, well, she's not my kind of person, really, not my kind of politician. I, uh, but you know, she's now openly come out and said that she wanted Jeremy Corbyn to lose the two thousand and nineteen election. Then someone mm -hmm. came out straight after that and put slightly wrongly that you know she actually wanted Boris to win the 2019 election which isn't what she said but it is actually the the result of what she said if what she said happened so unbelievable I, I, on the back of this um, I'm just going to say this I don't know if you saw this I saw something last night saying that the the Ford report was so appallingly bad that they can't put it out because if they did, half the Labour Party hierarchy would have to quit. These people that are running the Labour Party now, they really are shocking. And for them to turn around and say that we should be voting for them after what they've done to us, just it beggars belief. I, I cannot see it. I understand their point of view. In the, in the sense of, 
well, what are you going to do then? Are you just going to sit there and not vote? Or are you going to vote for someone who's going to get three or 400 votes and you're just going to let the Tories win again? Yeah, but that's exactly what they did. They, they let Boris in. And I mean, and they're still saying, look, Rachel Reeves is still saying that having Boris as the prime minister is preferable to having Jeremy. And I mean, how can anybody say that? It's just madness. I don't know where you stand on that, Thelma. I, I should... um, yeah, I, I, it's a really difficult one for me because um, obviously I was MP in Cone Valley and Rachel MP in Leeds, uh, so close too. And I did do, um, in 2015, some canvassing um, during the election with Rachel and, and, and did get to know her. And obviously you don't really get to know people, but in terms of doing some work with her, um, in terms of the election, it all seemed incredibly hardworking um, MP because um, I always try and be fair, Tom. And, um, and yet I knew that when I won the seat and in 17 and Jeremy was leader, I, I knew that, um, that Rachel wasn't supportive of, of the manifesto um, and policies, etc. cetera. Um, but I, I organized um, in, for the constituency or it, it was actually in Huddersfield, Huddersfield University, um, but a regional economy event at the university. And, um, and John McDonnell was, I invited John and he, he very kindly said he would speak and be the main speaker um, at the event. And there were lots of business people there and it was quite a big event, it took quite a bit of organizing with my uh, constituency staff. Um, and um, I, 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 we kind of reached out to, to Rachel to say, would you like to speak at this event? Because the thing was, we, we needed, those of us who, who supported Jeremy and, and what we were doing, we needed to reach out across the benches. I was PPS, so my role was to communicate and to, and to try and bring people together and to engage with the backbenches in particular. And um, so we, we invited Rachel. So when I saw that about how she was pleased that Jeremy Corbyn wasn't, I th well, my tweet that I put out was that I thought it was ungracious because Jeremy's always polite and civil to people and everybody on the back benches was treated by Jeremy. Um, and, and certainly on a personal level, I always uh, tried to be, be respectful to people um, and involve them in what was happening. And, and to say that when she had been treated with respect, even when she wasn't supportive and, and had been included in something like that, I just thought, well, I thought it kind of, it made, uh, said more about her than it did about <laughs> Jeremy. That's the truth of it. That's, that's what I thought from it. And I was, I hate to sound the head teacher here, but I was massively disappointed. Uh, massively disappointed um, by it. Uh, but it's a tricky one for me, Tom, because obviously when I've worked with people in the past uh, and, and thought, you know, that, that even if we didn't agree on all the politics, that they, they would do the decent thing. But it's clear, and I don't think we'll see that Ford report because it will be massively damning or um, a lot of it will be redacted so people won't won't see the detail of it 
Um, but um, I think it would be massively damning because, I mean, it's clear, isn't it, from things that have happened since uh, those who were working to undermine what Jeremy and the front bench were, uh, what were we doing. Yeah, um, but Thelma, uh, you know, they can't redact. There are some things they can't redact. An awful lot of Labour Party members put in their own submissions of their experiences of what happened to them. So if you if you send in something which gives evidence about how you've been mistreated by the right or, you know, whatever in that sort of direction, they can't redact that because you've got a copy of it. And, and so there's going to be, and there were a lot of submissions. It wasn't just, I don't think the Ford report, I don't know, but it isn't just about those pages that were leaked. It's, it also includes all of that evidence that was submitted to them. And, you know, I think if you, I'm surprised someone hasn't collected all that evidence up as well, because everyone will still have their copies of their submissions. If you got all yes. of that together, that would be a phenomenal report on its own. Uh, yeah, it's so a huge amount of evidence that that Ford or whatever, whoever he is, has got accused. to read through and draw conclusions from. Yeah, I think what gets me with thinking about um, the evidence that's been submitted, and obviously I, I submitted some things as well about the kind of culture and ethos in the PLP and, and my you know, personal experiences. But did they not think when they were constantly criticising what was happening in Labour, did they not think that, that the, um, the government or, or other politicians and, and the wider public would not remember it, would not remember the criticisms of how Labour was organised, how people treated each other, um, how it worked at CLP and branch level, how it, you know, all those criticisms that were made of the leader, of the way things were run, of what happened in campaigns, the all those, all the you know, going to the media, having interviews, being critical. Did they not think that that would tarnish the whole of the Labour brand? It wasn't just about while well, Jeremy was leader. This is about a party and destroying it, and then they could come back, and then they would be it, which was their career plan. But actually, they're left with their own legacy of all of that destruction um, and all of that um, uh, well, criticism. Um, I, did they not think it would come back to bite them? And they can't see that, that that's why people don't, many people don't respect them. Well, I remember in school, Thelma, uh, one time I got into a spot of bother and I... I didn't know, I, I panicked and started telling lies. And um, I knew, because my mum had told me very early on, look, not a good idea to tell lies because they'll come back and they'll bite you, you know, where you don't want to be bitten, basically. And that's exactly what happened to me in the school thing that happened. And that's exactly what's happening to those guys now, you know. They told all those lies. They made up all those stories. It's, it's going to unravel. And, uh, you know, it doesn't work. It's happening to Boris Johnson. He, he's built his whole life on lies, as far as I can see. And it's, un, it's continually unravelling. He wants to be Winston Churchill Mark II. He's, what's he look like? He ever just thinks he's a, an idiot. You know, mm. he should know better. 
you can't mm. do it. And I think that I think that's one of the reasons that they couldn't stand Jeremy was because he doesn't operate like that. You know, he 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 says it how it is, and he sticks to it, and he believes it, and he's not going to compromise it. And, and people give him a load of stick for that. But actually, when you look at his record, he's been right all the way through. And mm. and that they don't like it because that's what they'd like to be like, but they can't be. Yeah. So, and I think that's why you got it in on Twitter, Thelma. To be honest, that's why you got it because you <laughs> you're in the same category, really. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect, and Jeremy would never say he was perfect. You know, none of us, none of us are perfect. Sometimes we make the wrong decisions. Sometimes we, but if you're consistent, I'm, I, you know, I always say this about leadership, about courage. But courage and consistency, consistency with all things that you don't, you you know, you're that signpost, not a weather vane, and you don't you don't come out with statements on policy because you think actually that'll pander to the red wall voters. I don't really believe it, but I'm going to say that because that'll win us votes, and that's what we've seen over the last couple of years, haven't we? We've seen politicians on that front bench, just bend with the wind and just say, ah, they'll like that. They'll like that in Wigan, you know, this is what, and it's patronizing. It's patronizing to, especially to us Northerners, um, but it's also wrong. And I think once you've lost your integrity, to me, you've nothing um, and you can't get that back. And I don't think this front bench have integrity. And I don't think that they uh, can win people back. I, I think even despite how bad this government are, I think the public, well, it's a bit like what's happened in France, isn't it? It's the lesser of two evils. They may, Labour may get in, but you know what? It doesn't stress me anymore because I want to put my energies into building the alternative um so that socialists have got somewhere to go and it's i was at a meeting last night um a left unity meeting in leeds and a group of look it was great to do a face-to-face -face because you know a lot of meetings have been on the zoom and there were members of breakthrough there as well um and it was lovely uh, to talk um with friends and comrades uh, about um, how we can grow our movement and how we can work together and how we can support each other. Um, and, um, and that can be the future. And it will take time. And it's just baby steps at the moment. But we can do it, Tom. And we've got, we owe it. I, I feel I owe it to that next generation. Uh, and we owe it to, to give people, those people who are spoiling their ballot papers and um, not voting or deciding not to vote we owe it to them to give them an alternative to build an alternative um, and the more of socialists that can come together uh, the more that will be achievable because the public deserve better than we giving at yeah. the moment they, they do they definitely do yeah totally agree I, I we cannot go on with this two parties the same stuff it's a stitch up and uh, and it's mm. it's not serving the people so yeah good place to end the podcast Thelma and we've said a lot yeah. in a very short time there <laughs> good, to, good to talk to you again good to talk to you indeed yeah. lovely to speak with you as well Thelma and um, yeah. uh, I think we've got another podcast coming up soon so uh, yeah hope you all enjoyed it and uh, I'll leave our hand over to Thelma to say goodbye yeah
Yeah, yeah, thanks, Tom. And I'll leave you with the words from uh, Che Guevara. If you tremble with indignation at every injustice, then you are a comrade of mine. <laughs>